You're listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. This episode of Rootbound is sponsored by The Color Green. Do you need to absorb the specific wavelengths needed for photosynthesis while reflecting other wavelengths? Try green. Green. It's green. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Rootbound. My name is Steve. So one of the things I want to do with this podcast is learn more plant vocabulary. You know there's lots of really intense words about plants like bipinnately compound leaves and uh, I don't know. There's a lot of those words. And um, this podcast, I think, is a good way for me to force myself to learn those words. And and maybe you can learn those words with me. So uh, before we get into the episode, um, I thought I would talk about a word that I just learned the definition of, and that's the word sepal. Do you know what a sepal is? Do you know what a petal is? Everyone knows what a petal is. That's that the cool part of the flower, the little colorful petals. Um, well, a sepal is that green petal-like thing that is behind the petals. And that's the thing that closes up when a flower closes. The sepals close around the petal. So if you didn't know the word sepal, now you do. I didn't until recently. Um, but that's what a sepal is. Look for a sepal the next time you look at a flower. And with that, let's move on to the conversation with our guest. In this color of nature, symbol of youth and growth, the green plants from lowly grass to lofty trees hold the key to life on Earth. Hi, Maggie. Hey, Steve. Uh, You have a plant to tell me about? Yeah, so I chose a plant that is actually edible because um, I often reflect on how my favorite smell in the world is basil. And that just reminds me of home. It reminds me of growing up in my mother's kitchen. And we are Italian-Americans. And I, I said that I often reflect on how I love this smell. And I don't know why, but I do. I like I like thinking about what my superlatives are of either favorite smell, favorite taste, favorite sound. And it's a fun question that I like to ask people. And my go-to answer for smell is always basil because it is a meaningful uh, addition to any kitchen, and it reminds me of my mother. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about basil today. Oh, very cool. Um, so do, did you did you grow basil in your family growing up? Or were oh you, my uh, gosh, yeah. So uh, we actually grew a lot of different herbs in my mother's garden in the backyard, and um, she teases me because when I was a kid, I would help her to garden, whether it was all of the the regulars you find in a household garden, like rosemary, thyme, parsley, um, oregano. And she, she teases me because when I was little, she would say, Maggie, would you like to help me in the garden? And I'd say, anything you say, mommy. And then as I got older, I became much less agreeable. <laughs> so um, she often says, what happened to that lovely little girl? Around um, what age did that happen that you stopped saying anything you say, mommy? Probably four. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was short-lived. <laughs> that little girl didn't last very long. No, no. Uh, no I, I did. I was agreeable probably until I hit the teenage years, I guess. I should mm-hmm. be yeah. kinder to 
myself and my mother there. But yeah, so we had a huge garden and she also had regular plants too, like the non-edible kinds. We had sunflowers and wildflowers. She had a couple different gardens. One was just for wildflowers. One was for plants that we could eat. Um, and she had tomatoes and peppers, everything. So basil was the most meaningful one to me because it just, I would come home from school or from soccer practice and the whole house would smell like it. And I loved it. Do you like remember the first time you smelled basil? Is there something burned in your brain as like the earliest memory of basil? I mean, I I really could believe that the first time is probably when I was outside playing in the dirt with her actually gardening. I might not have been helping, but she probably like handed it to me and said, "Do you like this?" Um, so it's not an explicit memory, but it is definitely a smell that I've known my entire life. Do you have any um, favorite recipes with basil? I think the simplest, so maybe it is my favorite, is just a caprese salad. Um, and that's some fresh mozzarella with sliced tomato, a basil leaf, and drizzled with some balsamic vinegar. Mwah! Add a little salt, you've got yourself a meal. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I love doing that in the summer. It's, it's getting getting close to that weather now, so I'm looking forward to doing that. I've got some basil uh, seeds started in my, so we'll be planting some basil this love year. Love it, love it. That sounds great. So, did you um, did you happen to like learn anything uh, about like the scientific side of basil? Oh my gosh, yes. I had no idea multiple things about this plant. First of all, I mentioned that. We're Italian-American, so I assumed that this was mostly a Mediterranean plant. But, in fact, no. It's native to tropical regions in Central Africa and Southeast Asia. Had no idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't either. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's obviously uh, been spread around the world, and it's used in various cultural cuisines. But then that also being said, because it's grown in tropical regions all around the globe, there are a lot of different varieties. For example, one of the varieties that I read about that I've actually heard of before is Thai basil. That one is um, not not a, the sweet basil that most of us probably think of when we actually think of basil, for example, in a caprese salad or something. There's also... Um, a, a number of hybrids of basil, one of them called the African blue basil. And so I really want to go track this down somewhere and try it because oh. in, in my research, these hybrids and like the Thai basil, there's another one called holy basil. They all have different flavors, which is really funny because that must mean they have different smells too. Right. And the reason I love sweet basil is for its smell. So I wonder if I would even like the, the other varieties, right? Oh. Yeah, good question. <laughs> I, you know, I think I've had Thai basil a few times, but really, my mm -hmm. most of my basil exposure is to sweet basil. I should yeah. try some other basils. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if I, you can get the seeds for that hybrid blue basil. That's a good question. And if you can, where? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I'll be googling some of that later. Yeah, but beyond that, uh, I think. The, the biggest learning that I came away with was that I, I guess some of the specifics to a plant, like basil is an annual or sometimes perennial. And those mm -hmm. are 
those are things that we talk about with a lot of flowers and a lot of herbs, but it's not something that I ever give any thought to because I can always see basil in the grocery store, right? But reading this just kind of closed the loop on the fact that, oh yeah, this was in our garden when I was a kid and my mom would cover it or she'd bring it inside during wintertime. Oh yeah, this all makes sense now. Kind of like understanding the circle of life with this plant once I once I read that, you know? And I guess one one final fun fact is that the is the etymology, right? Like this is a pretty a uh, commonly used plant in cuisines around the world, but it, it actually comes from uh, Basilius. It means royal or kingly plant. Oh, wow. I think that's accurate. Yeah. so It's quite kingly. Yeah. Just to, to say that better for your editing purposes, it comes from the Latin Basilius, and it means royal or kingly plant. It was Basil here, Razzle, Basil there, Razzle, Dazzle, Basil, you're the king. So, Maggie, do you mind if I tell you about a plant? I would love for you to tell me about a plant. Cool. Well, I think we have a little bit of a theme where we both picked seemingly common plants. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, when you start looking into a plant more deeply, you learn some new things. So I'm going to talk about dandelions. Oh, I love them. Yeah, they are so cool. And I I think it was really just this year... I really, I mean, I, I've liked dandelions for a long time, but this year I've been eating a lot of dandelion greens. What? You yeah. Can, you can eat those? Actually, the entire plant of a dandelion is edible, roots to flower. What? Yeah. So, and I, I kind of knew that in the back of my head for a while now, but now I have a yard. I, my wife mm. and I bought a house about a year ago, a little, little bit more, and there's dandelions everywhere. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, I should try that. So I've been pulling the greens. The greens are great. They're kind of in the arugula mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Um, and they're they're really tasty. They're really high in vitamin A, oh. um, apparently, and they're apparently quite healthy. And they're they're very good. And um, I you know I've seen if you look closely, you'll go to Whole Foods and you'll see dandelion greens being sold at Whole Foods. No, kind of expensive. And it's <laughs> like, oh, I can just pull them from my yard. So. Oh my gosh. Um, the one word of caution that you'll read everywhere is if you're pulling dandelion greens, you should pull them from somebody's yard you know because you never know what kind of pesticides have been sprayed at like a public area or something. I was going to So don't ask. just go to your... Yeah, okay. Yeah, you don't want to just go to your local park and, and start eating the dandelions there because you have no idea what has been put on them. But I know my yard has no pesticides, so I'm, I'm just eating the dandelions like crazy. And 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 so this year, I've, I've really been utilizing the whole dandelion I made for the first time couple days ago, dandelion root tea. <gasps> so I pulled the dandelion roots out and I uh, dried them for a few days and then I roasted them and then I ground them up and I made a tea. And apparently in like times of like, um, you know, food scarcity, people would use dandelion root tea as a coffee substitute. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any caffeine, but it's kind of a bitter, dark beverage and it you can kind of maybe pretend it's coffee. Um, or you can use it to like uh, um, spread your coffee out. You can like, you know, do half and half or a quarter dandelion root and coffee to like make your coffee last a little bit longer. Wow. So I tried that. It was pretty tasty. I don't, I don't know if I would keep doing it, but I might try it again. Um, and then with the flowers, I have I, it's it's fermenting now. I'm making a batch of dandelion flower mead. So it's honey, water, and dandelion flowers. That sounds delightful, actually. Yes. 
so we'll see. I have no idea how it will be, um, but I uh, uh, well, try it. So th- that's what I'm doing. I'm, I've got a lot of dandelions, and I'm using them, using them all. That's so 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 cool. So wait, I, I have questions. Um, the sure, the, please. The root tea. What did that taste like? Was it earthy? You said bitter, but like I'm I'm thinking dirt. Yeah, er- earthy and a little bitter. I mean, it it's it's. Not quite coffee, but coffee adjacent, maybe. Okay. Um, have you ever had um, the uh, coffee with chicory in it? No, I haven't tried that. They, that's like a thing they sell in uh, in New Orleans. There's like the oh. Cafe du Monde style coffee. Yes. And they mix in chicory is also a root um, that they would use to like people would use to make their coffee last longer, and it be, then it became a taste that people liked. Hmm. So it's a, I think it's a little bit similar to that. I think the plants are related, actually. Okay. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. I'm going to try it again next time. The only problem with the root is it's kind of hard to pull the roots, mm. and that kind of gets us into a little bit of the, the biology of the um, dandelion. Dandelion is a perennial flower, mm-hmm. which, is, which is interesting, and it has a tap root. So the root is a really long root that keeps digging itself straight down. Mm. And as long as a root is there, the dandelion will come back every year. And the longer a dandelion has been there, the bigger the root will get and the bigger the plant will be the next year. Mm-hmm. So if you want to pull the root up, though, you got to really dig a lot. And the root is smart in a way that a plant can be smart, that if you just try to pull it, it's going to snap somewhere and mm-hmm. some of the root will still be in the ground. Yeah. And so it'll keep coming back up. So the ones I ended up... I ended up digging were ones where I they were like in some super loose soil anyway, so they just happened to just pop up easily. But the rest of them, you kind of need to dig around to get the whole root and be careful not to break it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, if you're doing that, you have to be careful that you don't. If you want to keep having dandelions in your yard, you can't do that with all of them because right. Right. that's the thing that kills the the dandelion. But if you're just taking the flowers or the leaves, that dandelion will come back next year, which is pretty cool. Wow. Uh, yeah, they're they're really neat. Um, so the other notes I have here, I've, I've got some notes. Um, oh, this is one of my favorite things about about dandelions. So the, the name dandelion, do you know where that comes from? Maybe I did once, but I don't remember. It's a pretty funny name. So the name dandelion in almost every other language translates to lion's tooth. Oh, okay. And we call them dandelions. Why is that? Well, how you say dandelion or how you say lion's tooth, um, first of all, they're called lion's tooth because if you imagine a dandelion leaf, it's got those jagged stuff and Mm -hmm. it kind of looks like a a tooth of a lion. Um, But if you want to say lion's tooth in French, you say the word for tooth, which is don't Mm -hmm. or don't, D-E-N-T, like denture, Mm. and then of, de, and lion, lion, don't de lion. Uh Uh-huh. So dandelion is a mispronunciation of the French dante Léon. Isn't that how many English words are? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So, um, so I, I remember thinking that when I, I you know, as as you know, and is a running joke with us. I used to live in Switzerland, and the German word for dandelion is Löwenzahn, and that's the first time I realized it was like, oh, that means lion's tooth. Oh, that's funny. Why is it called the lion's mm. tooth? And we call ours dandelion, and why? And and then I started looking up other languages. I was like, wait, it's lion's tooth in every language except for basically English. Wow. Um, but we just mispronounced the French word, so that's pretty funny. That is a cool um, etymology. Yeah, um, I, I have a list of some other names that the dandelion goes by in, I guess, mostly English-speaking world. I'll, I'll read them. Some of them are surprising. Okay. Um, 
uh, blow ball. That one makes sense because they've got, got that little blow ball on top. Uh, <laughs> Cankerwort. Wow. Dunehead Clock. Witch's Gowan. Milk Witch. Lion's Tooth. Yellow Gowan. Irish Daisy. Monk's Head. Priest's Crown. And Puffball. Other common names include Face Clock, Pee-a-bed, Wet-a-bed, and Piss-a-bed. Oh my goodness. Those are common? <laughs> apparently, in I, I, I don't have the details pulled on my screen, but from what I recall, apparently in some places in the UK, they're called Piss-a-beds or Pee-a-beds because the tea made from them is a diuretic. <gasps> and, and so if you drink too much of it, you might piss-a-bed. <laughs> Did you find that out firsthand? Uh, not yet. I haven't drank enough. <laughs> um, so, so I th- those names were kind of surprising. Um, wow. The the Latin name for dandelion is Taraxacum is the genus name, um, and the most common is Taraxacum officinale. Um, but there's a lot. I forget. I'm going to pull it up on the Wikipedia right now because I want to have that number. There's a bunch of different varieties, and they're pretty hard to tell apart. Hmm. Um, so you might have more. Um, you might have more in your yard than you think. Um, this on Wikipedia, it says in British islands alone, there's 234 microspecies recognized Whoa. in nine loosely defined sections. So uh, they all look pretty similar, but, um, and, but there's a lot of different species and there are several that were native to um, North America, but the majority ones we have now were introduced, mm. but not surprising. Their use has been similar across across um, cultures, um, across both the old world and new. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's mostly what I have to say. Let me double check that I didn't miss anything here. Oh, oh yes, there's one more super interesting thing about dandelion, and is that dandelions produce latex. What? Have you ever pinched a dandelion stem and saw the little white stuff yeah. on the edge? Yeah. That's latex. It's the same stuff that comes from a rubber tree, essentially. And apparently there has been, at least historically at one point, I think during maybe during World War II, Germany was growing dandelions to produce latex um, when they couldn't get access. And there's people now trying to uh, breed a dandelion that produces a higher yield of latex because huh. that's the main problem versus a rubber tree is that the yield is pretty low and the processing is pretty intensive. Um, but if you could, it's a much more sustainable way to get latex. Um, and it's apparently the same stuff, which I, I did not know that. That's a very, very interesting thing. I am gobsmacked at all of the things that dandelions can do. And to think we consider them a weed. Totally. I mean, that's what I've been thinking about. And now I'm like, I have these, these are people treat them as a weed and they're all over my garden. I can eat them and they look pretty and they have this cool, like, you know, floating a seed thing. And they're just a super cool plant. Oh, oh also one more thing. Their taproot, they're, they're very useful in a garden because they bring nutrients up from really, really deep up to the more shallow areas. So they're really a useful plant to have in a garden too because of their the way that they work. They so are a they're, jack they're of a super all, cool flower. Drac- jack of all trades kind of flower, plant, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So that that is the dandelion. I love it. Thank you for telling me this. I can't wait to eat one. <laughs> This is the theme song to the German children's television show, Livenzon, which means dandelion. 
Löwenzahn. Heute angel ich was ganz Besonderes. Well, that was really fun talking to Maggie about basil and dandelions. A couple of quick notes. It is actually possible to find African blue basil. At least I found it recently at the farmer's market. I did not buy any though because, well, this is being recorded quite a bit after my conversation with Maggie and it's full on summer and I just have too much basil. So next time I'm running low on basil, maybe I'll try buying some. Another note is I just spoke at length about dandelions, but I didn't even mention their seeds. They're so cool. They fly in the air. That's crazy. And on that note, I will leave you with a clip from the German children's television show Livenzahn. And even if you don't speak German, I think you'll enjoy it. Hm? Ist er nicht schön, mein Garten? Hm? Einige werden sagen, ein bisschen ungepflegt, aber wenn die wachsen, wo sie wollen. Na, und am liebsten habe ich natürlich die hier, den Löwenzahn. Eine so schöne Blume und so trickreich. Wieso? Na? Alle Pflanzen wollen doch ihre Samenkörnchen möglichst weit in die Gegend verstreuen, damit sie überall wachsen können. Und da hat sich der Löwenzahn was ganz Besonderes ausgedacht. Hier diese Samenkörnchen sind ja an kleinen Fallschirmchen befestigt. Und der Wind jetzt, äh, Moment, woher? Woher kommt er denn? Von da. Der Wind jetzt trägt diese Samenkörnchen weit raus, überall hin. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Maggie DeWayne. Maggie is an environmentalist and writer who seeks to tell stories of climate change, conservation, and how both are impacting people. She's also the co-host of the excellent animal-slash-wine podcast, The Watering Hole. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Rootbound is hosted by me, Steve Ellington. Theme music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by Dave Lanny. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can't go outside, check out a new plant. Send me a message about it at www.rootboundpodcast.com or on Instagram at rootboundpodcast. Try green. Green. It's green.